0: The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You've heard me talk about Cog Hill every single episode this season, and we will continue to do so because they are one of the premier golf destinations in the Chicagoland area. Featuring 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill has just upgraded their entire practice academy to include top tracer, two bars, a food truck, and a full family experience that anyone will enjoy. Go out to CogHillGolf.com to learn more. We are also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you're looking to upgrade your game this year or if you're just trying to pick up some new pieces of golf apparel or even some training aids to help you score better, WorldwideGolfShops.com has you covered. The best part about this website is they always offer incredible deals on some of the newest equipment even just days after its release. Once again, it's WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, and I am your host, as always, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You could follow me all over social media at golfunfiltered, Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. I hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode with Josh Bricker of Trolls Golf Club, a new partner of ours over at Golf Unfiltered, and they've got a unique spin on not only, you know, access to some of the best courses around uh, the country, but also it's a new age these days, folks. I mean, I I never really got into crypto too much. I, I definitely dabbled a little bit, and and it's fun, especially during the the pandemic months or years when everyone was kind of stuck at home and this seemed like a cool thing to do and then this thing came along called nfts and i had no idea what those were but in working with josh and his team i've learned a little bit more about the possibilities that exist with nfts and yes you know i got some feedback from listeners saying isn't there a lot of risk with nfts well i guess it depends and if you missed last week's episode There's so much more value that goes into becoming a member of Trolls Golf Club, which is an NFT-based membership, and uh, Josh does a great job of explaining all of that in last week's episode, so I highly encourage you to go do that, go listen to it. If it's something that you're interested in, they do have a website, trollsgolfclub.com, and uh, if you sign up, if you want to get involved, and you let them know that you heard about it at the Golf Infiltered Podcast. That would be really, really helpful, and I would greatly appreciate that. So feel free to reach out to me with any questions about any of that. I can get you in touch with those guys. It's it's a really unique way, as I mentioned before, not to go too deep into it. It's a unique way to play golf at courses that you would never have a chance to play golf at. I'll leave it at that if you want to learn more. Listen to last week's episode. All right, so that brings us to this week. What are we talking about? Well, just going to be you and me again, and... We're nearing the end of the golf season. I seem to always kind of go through an episode like this every year. Uh, and here in the Chicago area, you know, it's about 50 degrees, seems to be about as warm as it's going to get from here on out. And uh, people are starting to think about wrapping things up. I know I am. Uh, I did have the opportunity, uh, me and a couple of buddies, went out to uh, South Haven in Michigan, for those of you aware with that uh, of that uh, area, a lot of great golf courses. I had never been there. It's right there on Lake Michigan and uh we played two courses, uh one being Hawkshead, that was actually the second day, and then the first day was Ravines. And I actually preferred the Ravines course. I just I enjoy parkland courses that have just tons of trees around you. You know, tight landing areas. You have to kind of think your way through the course, and, and Ravines was certainly that. I ended up shooting 83 both days. I um, actually, I think I actually played better at Hawkshead the second day, uh, despite all the wind. And uh, one of my buddies shot 69 that day. It's just a quiet little, smooth 69. No, no big deal. I just, it, it was a good time. Uh, if you've not made your way out to South Haven, Michigan, Highly encourage you to do so. I know that there's so much more golf to experience in Michigan uh, and I've played very little there. And so maybe next year that becomes more of a goal for me. Not too bad of a drive either. It was only about two and a half hours. uh, Not even that actually uh, here from uh, the suburbs. And uh, yeah, let me know if you've ever made your way out there. If there are any courses that you know of uh, around that area, you know, within driving distance, that you think I should check out, I will certainly do so. At any rate, as I mentioned, the golf season is winding down for us here in the Midwest. Still a few uh, warm days, I think, coming up that I'll be able to get out there, at least maybe go to the range. But what I like to do is uh, not only kind of reflect on the golf season that was, but also plan ahead for the following season. Now, this year on the Golf and Filtered uh, podcast and golfandfiltered.com, we had a new equipment um, partner With Mizuno Golf. Um, Went through a fitting process. If you've listened to past episodes, you heard me talk about that. And uh, really enjoyed playing the Mizuno Pro 225's irons. Uh, Clearly, Mizuno is one of the leading golf club brands and makes some of the most premium, outstanding equipment in the world. And uh, the 225s were were no exception. I mean, they're a little bit stronger lofted. They're certainly, I guess, more in the game improvement category, but they look like a blade. And um, I just, I, I played pretty darn well all year with them. You know, it certainly helps to get fit for clubs. You've heard me talk about that a million times. And if there's anyone listening to this that still hasn't been sold, I guess, on the need to go get fit for clubs, I... I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I've had conversations with listeners um, over email as well as social media. I've actually ran into a few recently. Um, and we've talked about getting fit for clubs. Like, hey, you know, I know that you partner with a lot of club fitting places, Adam. Uh, is it really worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, uh, it's funny because, um, you know, I talked to a part of what I experienced doing this podcast as well as running the website is I'm, I'm the golf guy around my family and and circle of friends. You know, I, it's, it's kind of annoying, but it's also flattering where people want to ask questions. They're genuinely, you know, not concerned, but they're genuinely curious as to my take on a few things. And, um, it always comes back to fitting at some point it comes back to, do I need to get fit? And, How does this tie into the end of the year? Well, in my opinion, and I've spoken to many club fitters, this is like the best time to go get fit for clubs in preparation for your next season. I mean, you're more than likely going to get fit indoors. Um, I personally like to get fit outside because I can see the ball flight. But with technology these days as well as just the accessibility of indoor fitting studios everywhere. I mean, you're going to be able to get specials on full club, uh, full bag fitting rather, or, or individual clubs. You need to be on the lookout for it. And if you're going to treat yourself to anything, whether it be for this holiday season, if that's your thing or, or whatever, I mean, spend a few hundred dollars, go get fit for clubs and then determine if you want to make a purchase. Now, granted, it's going to cost you a couple grand at least if you want to buy a full set of brand new golf clubs. As I've talked about before, if you just go get fit and understand what specs you need. Look, I mean, I yeah, I've got partnerships with some equipment brands and they might get mad at this. But the secondhand club community and inventory out there is you're going to be able to find what you need. And I actually experienced that this year for my driver. Now I'm hitting the Mizuno. Uh, I think it's the, what the Z- MTZ G or something. I should probably know that, but I'm hitting the latest Mizuno driver. And, um, I went to Golfsmith just to play around. Actually, you know, I was just killing time. I, I forget what I was doing that day, but, um, I had my clubs in my car. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see if this golf shaft is right for me. If there's anything else that I could do, to just squeeze a little bit more distance and consistency out of this driver. And lo and behold, there was. And I somebody there helped me out. Very knowledgeable young man. Put me on a simulator. I was able to try all sorts of different shafts with my club head. And ultimately, I landed on a shaft that I would have never even thought about for myself. And ended up ordering one on eBay. I found the exact thing that I needed on eBay, spent probably, gosh, I mean, this was a $350 shaft. I think I got for like $120. I mean, obviously, if you can swing it, pun intended, go and buy brand new. But if you can't, but you still want to get the uh, proper specs in your equipment, and you don't mind playing something a couple years old maybe, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There really is so don't don't sleep on that. check out the second hand market. you might be surprised what you find, and this is the perfect time of year to start doing that so in addition to you know wrapping things up with my golf game and and considering what I want to do for next year, whether it be equipment related or swing changes or anything by the way, lessons are also a really great Christmas gift uh, or holiday gift for the golfers in your life. Um, it's also a time of year when I like to reflect back on what I am going to do with Golf Unfiltered. Now, over the last, I think it's been over a year. I should probably know this, but we've had uh, Nikki Dunnigan, uh, partner, uh, with me on uh, some content for Golf Unfiltered, and uh, that's been great. Nikki's been great. She's she's uh, just really really good at not only the uh, the content that she produces, but also just the the way that she thinks about a game that she loves from a growing up and being a, being a part of her life perspective. And if you remember around the Masters, she did a fantastic uh, podcast series, Memoirs for Magnolia Lane. Go back and listen to it. It's around, you know, Masters time, April-ish. And uh, she just brought a different flair and a different perspective to Golf Unfiltered that was so sorely missing. I would say. I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but you know what I'm trying to say. It was so appreciated, and I, and I anticipate that she'll continue to participate and produce content moving forward. Now, as far as what type of content you will continue to find at Golf Unfiltered, you guys know I like to kind of mix things up from time to time, and I, I always go back and forth with what's the main focus. Now, for the last, I would say, two years, we've focused primarily on new golfers. You know, we've gotten more information out there. If you go to the website now, golfunfiltered.com, you'll see that there's a section for new golfers. The COVID golf boom has brought just mountains of new players to the game, which is a great thing for the game. But that's beginning to slow down a little bit. I'm beginning to realize. I've also spoken at length here on the podcast about our TikTok account. A social media platform that I never thought I would actually get involved in, uh, but it's actually my favorite one now. It's it's really good, and I know that there's a lot of you know criticism about the app, uh, but pushing that aside, it is a great way to reach out to uh, many younger, new golfers who are just picking up the game. And I get questions submitted to me all the time there, whether it be in the comment section or they reach out to me via email. And it gives me a good chance to not only research some topics that I thought I knew everything about, but also to kind of refresh my memory on things that I knew pretty well. For example, we had an entire series on wedge bounce not too long ago. That was really fun to to kind of dig into and research. And so I want to do more of that. The frequency that I'm going to do it, that is something that I, I admittedly would like feedback on because... In my mind, I, I like doing this weekly podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. Quite, quite frankly, when I have like a, a, a stressful week at work or I'm just feeling down or something, turning on the microphone and talking to, well, I guess in this case, I'm looking out my window, that's a, that's a really good, it's almost therapeutic for me not to get too heavy-handed, but it's fun, and I enjoy bringing content to you. Doing it once a week is no problem. Should I do it more? Should I do it less? Should we do more interviews? We've done less interviews this year uh, for a couple reasons. One, because it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's its hard to get an uh, interview guest every single week. Um, I don't have a producer, and it's tough to find new people to come on. I still get requests to do so. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I also don't want the podcast to only be, how can I put this, a infomercial for brands and products that you may or may not try. And quite frankly, I may or may not try. And uh, you know, I'm always pretty open with you guys. There are times when I get requests for, Hey, we got this new insert product here. Let's bring the founder on and let's talk about it and see if we can make an episode kind of appear despite me never trying the product. That has happened very infrequently over the many years that I've done this. I always try to bring products and people on from brands that I have tried and that I trust. But that's becoming less and less. And that's not because of lack of interest by any means, but more so it's a matter of, look, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. And if I've got people come on coming on from different club brands every single week, just as an example. And I'm sitting here telling you, well, they're great. They're great. They're great. All club companies make good stuff. It, at least to me, and please, I I mean this, let me know if I'm wrong. And if you disagree to me, it almost seems disingenuous. If I tell you guys that every single one is the best thing ever. So I tried to not do that. There is this element of keeping you aware of new things that are on the market, right? There are more podcasts in this space that are beginning to do that. And I think that's a good thing. You know, uh, there's a lot of equipment out there, a lot of marketing material to kind of sift through, but I also know that you guys, based on not only listenership, but also the feedback that you provide to me directly, you enjoy episodes kind of like this one where we just talk about current events. I provide my opinion on it. For some reason, many of you at least listen to my opinion. A few of you like it. <laughs> but it always keeps me wondering, what do I want to do with this? What, Where do we go next type thing? So I think moving forward, and we have many weeks left in this year, don't get me wrong, but I think moving forward... I want to talk and continue to talk about current events, whether it be pro tour related, because that's been just a content goldmine recently, or it's business related, or it's just the status of my game, or, or perhaps I get questions from new golfers that get sent in. And I highly encourage you all to continue to do that. So I guess what I'm saying is this is the time of year when I like to say, okay, what's working well? with the website. What do you guys uh, want to hear about? What do you want to read? And how can we make that happen to still bring value in a very saturated content space? Not only the number of podcasts continue to grow, but also the number of websites seem to pop up. And let's face it, Twitter, I guess, Facebook, Instagram, the way that people interact with those networks is changing. TikTok is by far the most popular among a certain demographic. And when I think of the demographics that listen to this podcast, this is a little behind the scenes here. It's a little bit closer to my age and older, right? So that's fine. No problem there. Hi, everybody. <laughs> but, you know, there's also a lot more people and different demographics that we could reach out to. So what the hell am I babbling about? I always like to leave the uh, lines of communication, I guess you could say, open with you guys. Uh, Send me emails. If there's topics that you want me to research and go into and do an episode on, I will do that. I'm always open to ideas. Um, I do kind of bounce a few ideas off of Nikki every so often. And a few others uh, that I talk to regularly. But it, for the most part, it's fun for me to kind of get assignments, I guess. And one of the things that I also try to keep uh, tabs on is what do I like to listen to? I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to as much as I used to because I don't have my, my drive uh, to the office every day anymore. But what I really enjoy... Of course, it's true crime. That's probably one of my favorites, and that's why that kind of uh, prompted the uh, Secret Tour Pro Golf Stories podcast. If you've not listened to that, by the way, it's called Golf Stories. uh, Me and my buddy Chris McEwen put that out uh, earlier this year, and it was telling the story of uh, the Secret Tour Pro Twitter account. I've talked about it at length. Don't want to bore you guys. Go check it out. It's on Apple and Spotify. got a lot of great feedback from that. But that was a good project to take on because it also – kind of reminded me that, hey, there's other things that we could do with the topic of golf. And I want to do more of that. Another thing that I like to to listen to is just like weird stories from certain uh, genres, meaning like, for example, hey, here's a golf story that was absolutely wild and you'll never understand or never believe rather what happened in it and so i may go down that path a little bit as well so one of the good things that i think comes from uh you know doing this with i don't have a team of people that help me at golf unfiltered it's always able i'm always able to kind of change things up whenever i want really um but I do want to make it more of kind of like a crowdsource thing with you all. So hit me up on email, adam at golfandfilter.com. Let me know what stories you want to hear. I will go and I will research them. I will create them. I will, you know, uh, put my head together with, with Nikki and we'll think of something to bring to you. But I also understand that if you just kind of like to press play and, hey, what's this guy talking about this week? You know, I understand there are many of you that like to do that too. So help me out with that. If you wouldn't mind. The invitation's out there. You can also find me on social, obviously, at golf unfiltered, and you know I'm pretty active there as well. Okay. So with that being said, switch gears just very briefly to current events. And you know, it it was a wild week this week because we saw the uh, professional side. You know, God, as I mentioned, a content goldmine. I know many people are sick of hearing about Live Golf and the PGA Tour and all that. And admittedly, it has gotten pretty, I don't know, boring, I guess you can say. But then there's always elements that kind of pop up where, for example, this week, Phil Mickelson and the Alan Shipnuck thing just, I, you know, I don't know, from a golf fan perspective, and someone who pays way too close attention to this type of stuff. I just I don't know what fills what's happening to him anymore. And I genuinely hope he's okay. I know that he has come out on press conferences and he has said things like he's been working on himself, he's gotten a lot he's going through therapy or he had some problems with obviously with gambling. We heard things about him and his wife maybe not working out and I'm sure all of this stuff is connected. But to And if you missed it, this week, for him to come out and do a press conference prior to the Saudi Arabia uh, Live Golf event, and to basically say that he never did an interview with Alan Shipnuck, when in fact it was a phone call and he did do an interview, and Phil's going down the path of trying to play with semantics here, basically saying that was supposed to be off the record I didn't expect Alan to put it into his book. That just seems really odd to me. Now, on the surface, I think the immediate knee jerk reaction was okay, Phil's just just lying. He's trying to cover himself. You know, he probably got a talking to from whoever at Live Golf, especially since now they're playing this event this week in Saudi Arabia. And of course, the quote that we're all remembering that Phil said. Uh, was, and I'm paraphrasing here, that they're a bunch of scary MFers. Um, and now it's a matter of, okay, well, now you're saying you didn't do an interview. Okay, well, I, I don't think Phil's an idiot. I don't think he always thinks things through enough. Um, but the way he made it sound was that that never took place. When in fact it seems now, as time has passed and we've had the chance to think about it, and even Alan Shipnuck has commented on it, he was uh, Phil was kind of playing semantics, as I said. You know, this was supposed to be off the record, and it made me think about, you know, the way that journalism works and and full transparency. You guys know I I do not have a journalism background. I do this thing as a hobby. I I enjoy doing it for uh, all the reasons that I said at the beginning of the episode. But from my understanding, my limited understanding of journalism is the the on-the-record, off-the-record thing needs to be a two-way street. And it needs to be crystal clear when you are talking to a reporter, especially someone who is writing a biography about you. I don't understand how the phrase... Hey, this is off the record, doesn't come out of Phil's mouth during that conversation. On the other side, and I understand why a reporter might not want to do this, because especially in this context, Shipnuck had been trying to contact Phil for a long time. Phil was brushing him off, and then out of the blue, we're led to believe, Phil calls him and then just starts talking. How does, I I mean, wouldn't you think that Shipnuck would say, hey, by the way, this is going in the book? Now, again, I understand perhaps why he wouldn't say that, but then you get into the realm of, okay, assumptions are being made. And as we see, that has opened the door to Phil taking the stance that he's taking and it just, the whole thing seems weird to me. And, you know, at the end of the day, is Phil okay or not? He says that he's happy, could be a company line. I suppose anyone who got that much money and got out of, at least in his case, that much gambling debt, probably feeling a little bit better these days. Everything about Live Golf right now, and this is just another example of it, there are many others whether it be about Patrick Reed, all the stuff that he's doing with his lawsuits, whether it be Greg Norman and all the things that he says when he makes ridiculous proclamations on whatever network wants to put him on TV that day. Everything about Live Golf right now feels disingenuous and just a chore to try and find something to like about it. Now, I've spoken about it at length in past episodes. I've said that... Live Golf's telecast, like the the imagery on screen, it's pretty good. I would say it's better than most of the PGA Tour events. The commentating, eh, you know, whatever. More often than not, I don't even listen to it anyway. And that that goes to, I, I could say the same thing for the PGA Tour as well. But everything else around it, like it's just, it's not fun to watch at all. I mean, yeah, there's some good golf being played. The format's screwy. I don't like the shotgun start thing, but everything off the course just makes it so unattractive to me to watch with any regularity. And what's even more interesting is I had, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I went on a, uh, a small golf trip with two buddies and they had never watched any live golf before. And this was when they were in Bangkok. It was that weekend. And so it was a little bit later at night, but we were able to watch it and they were like, this was their first experience watching it. And they had no idea what the heck they were watching. (laughs) These are two guys who have played golf their entire lives, uh, have won tournaments themselves at the amateur level. And my goodness, I mean, it was just interesting to listen to them watch it for the first time and, and they had just absolutely no desire to continue to watch it. it it was an interesting thing and i think when it boils down to who the you know core demographic since we were talking about that on today's episode who is the core demographic for live golf you know i i can throw a few opinions out there but legitimately like what what is the point right now because it is so, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, it is so all over the map. Is it about the money? Is it about being, you know, playing less golf? Well, maybe not, because then Brooks Kepka recently said, you know what, I'm playing better now. It's a shame that I don't get to play more. So what's the point for these guys? That's obviously going to continue into next year. The lawsuits that, again, off-the-course drama... The lawsuits have been pushed to I think 2024 was the last thing I saw. Players are dropping, or that lawsuit. I think there's only what three or four players out of the original 11 that are still named as uh, plaintiffs. Like what? What's the point of all of this? Viewership is not great on YouTube. We're hearing things of they're going to pay for TV time on a Fox network, I guess. I just I don't understand the point of it anymore. So we're going to continue to talk about it, as I've mentioned before. Let me know your thoughts on Live Golf, on professional golf in general, as well as everything we mentioned earlier, ideas for new topics to cover. What do you want to learn more about? What would you like to hear more on uh, Golf Unfiltered? Hit me up on email, adam at golfunfiltered.com, and you can send me a message on social media at golf unfiltered thanks as always for continuing to be a uh, constant listener i guess and i look forward to reading any suggestions that you guys have as you send in uh because we want to make this something that is worthwhile for all of you as well as fun to do on our end so until then take care of one another if you're still playing golf play the best golf you can for the rest of the season and we'll be back next week